for tuning in to episode one, season four of Soul Things Podcast. My name is Brenna Cross, your host, and this is a podcast where we talk about the hard spaces that we go through as young adults, specifically in our 20s. I'm a 26-year-old living in Chicago, Illinois. I am currently in my second semester of a two-year program at Wheaton for clinical mental health counseling. So for those of you who don't really know a lot about me, that's a little bit about me. Um, I am super extroverted, so it's really weird for me not to have somebody to be talking to right now, but venturing out into some new territory today and trying a first solo episode. Um, Kind of the first half of the episode, I'll be sharing a little bit about my journey, what I've been learning, uh, what the Lord's been showing me, and also our first episode is actually going to be about shame. And this is a really interesting and heavy topic for some people. So I hope you guys will stick around, enjoy the ride together, and we'll be able to work through some hard topics. But let me sort of walk you guys through um, what I'm thinking about content shift-wise, of just from what I've been doing before and to what I want season four to be for us. So for those of you who have been following me for a while, you know that the whole origin of the name Soul Things came from a Madison Ryan Ward song called Higher. And in one of the lines, it says, fast forward to the grown things now. I'm working on the soul things now. And that line really resonated with me, especially a couple of years ago about wanting to talk about the things that matter and hold eternal weight. And so that's what we're going to keep doing. We're just going to make it more of a mental health switch and focusing on the hard things. And you know what's so interesting is I'm taking a psychopathology class this semester and the etymology of this word is really interesting as uh, psychopathology actually means the study of soul suffering and I think that's what the mental health world is is caring for the soul and something that I feel really passionate about and excited to talk with you guys about obviously I'm not a licensed therapist yet by any means I am only on the first leg of my journey the first 100 meters of this mile long (laughs) journey so um, I am by no means a professional I'm just here to walk alongside you guys as we are learning and growing together and my hope and prayer is that I'm able to interview and chat with some professionals in the field who can further our wisdom and what it looks like to care for ourselves in these really hard spaces that we're going through. All right, so let's dive into a little bit about what I've been learning, what's been going on in life. I know it's been probably since October that I posted my last episode, and so I can share with you guys a little bit about my journey. Um, Honestly, the first semester had a lot of highs and a lot of lows. I think it is a big adjustment stepping from the working world back into school. For those of you that are back in grad school and didn't do a straight shoot from undergrad can kind of relate to what I'm talking about. You kind of got your feet wet into the working world and just are used to having a lot more free time with friends and family and to develop hobbies and being in a full-time program and taking 13 credits was a bit of a shift for me and learning how to break free of some of unhealthy patterns and habits related to school from undergrad um, is something I think the Lord is really shaping me in Um, but the content of classes have just been um incredible and enlightening to say the least and learning to come in with an open mind and receive and just be a sponge and soak up everything um, has been really really awesome. Um, One of the quotes I wanted to share with you guys is from Vessel van der Kolk and he is a psychiatrist who wrote a book that's kind of moved into pop culture a little bit of The Body Keeps the Score and talks a lot about the neuroscience and 
the history of his own journey in the field um, and especially related to trauma and how traumatic things that we go through actually are stored in our bodies, um, which is something that I'm super interested in and I'll talk a little bit more about in a second. Um, but his quote says that the job of a therapist is to help people acknowledge experience and bear the reality of life with all its pleasures and hardships. So I think the beautiful thing about stepping into therapy is being able to see the good, the bad, the ugly together and embrace the fullness of life. And that's what I hope um, to be as a therapist. And I hope what this space can be for us too, as we join together and talk about the hard spaces. But I also think the hard spaces make the brighter spaces shine even brighter. Um, and I think suffering and pain and lament and these kind of heavier topics make way for beauty and hope and resilience and joy and all these positive things. So I'm hoping we can have like a holistic experience as we walk through this together um, because I truly am learning what it means to sit with somebody suffering every day. I think as a counselor, you think they're going to fix your problems, they're going to change you, they're going to help you figure out how to work through all the difficult things. And some of that is true, right? Therapists do um, help you with thought processes and processing in general and how to uh, reframe and work through things. But there's also this element of counseling where you simply are bearing witness to the pain that people are going through and being comfortable enough to sit in that unknown and in the hardship. Um, and that bearing witness is actually a really, really powerful tool I'm learning. Another cool thing that I've been learning is story engagement. And that is sort of a specific theoretical orientation. There's a bunch of different ways to approach therapy, but I am drawn to a lot of psychoanalytical, psychodynamic approaches. And specifically, I found this awesome uh, psychologist and theologian, Dan Allender, who has his own school out in Seattle. Uh, also listen to Adam Young's podcast, uh, The Places We Find Ourselves. And these people that are sort of really focused on um, attunement and empathy and the inner child and past family of origin stories, trauma, all of these things that are shaping and forming and at times we even think defining who we are. Um, and so learning what it actually means to engage in somebody's story and to, you know, I think when I think of the different levels of progress in being a counselor, you think of, okay, being a good listener is kind of here. And then a step up is deep engagement in a story to be fully engrossed in what somebody is saying um, to the point where that captivation can produce something of value to that person and enlightenment and growth and self-actualization and all these things that people come to counseling for. So that's actually another thing that I've really been um, sitting with and thinking through. And a lot of the stuff that I'm going to be sharing with you guys, by the way, about what I've been learning is going to seem kind of higher level and not going into a lot of details because this is an intro episode and because I am new to this field, um, I don't want to speak out of terms and also give you guys more than what I know. Um, and I also hope to have some of these people on my podcast eventually and experts in the field who can share more in depth. Yeah, so my hope with you guys in this episode is to just share briefly what I'm learning and then we can take the other episodes to kind of do deeper dives. So just a little disclaimer there that I should have said before. 
Um, also something that I'm really interested in is the neuroscience behind our brains and what's actually going on with neuroplasticity, neurogenesis, and the ways that we are, we're going to talk a little bit about this when we talk about shame of the neural networks and pathways that are being formed by the way that we think about things. Um, and also, um, I did a research project last semester for my research class about trauma-sensitive yoga and the different ways that it helps address PTSD specifically. So mind-body connection, all the neuroscience. So that sort of like biological aspect of the field, super fascinating to me. And I'm so excited. I'm going to have a guest on my show this uh, season where we talk about yoga and trauma-sensitive yoga. I'm a big yogi, if you guys don't know. Uh, I find it super, super powerful. And the way that it's able to help heal people who have gone through some really deep trauma is very um, interesting to me. And there's so much more that I've been learning and growing in, but I kind of want to make a little bit of a shift and talk about amidst all this content that I was intaking and um, the exciting things that I was learning, there was also kind of a dark side to it of my own mental health struggles and journey through this adjustment period, this first semester transition um, that hopefully some of you guys can relate to in periods of challenges and transitions. Um, I am somebody who is a three on the Enneagram. I'm very achievement focused. Productivity um, is something that I tie a lot of my value to and have struggled for a long time with that. And I am very fast paced. I am very um, get it done. You know, I feel good when at the end of the day, all my checklists are completed. I feel I have been a successful human being if I do that. And that is something the Lord has been stripping me of um, piece by piece this semester, which has been really, really challenging. Um, I think there were a few things that I struggled with in the area of self-care, um, not going to bed when I should or not eating enough when I should because I want to get this reading done or I want to finish this homework assignment or I really want to give this all I can to have the best presentation. So I'm going to sacrifice these other things that care for my body and for my mind, and even for my soul, uh, for the sake of proving my value and also, um, sacrificing requires a lot you know this is a major that is super reflective so dealing with a lot of all the content you're intaking but also just the emotional self-reflection and examination is quite exhausting to be honest um as helpful as it is and trusting the process is something that i'm learning um i did end up having a lot of anxiety there were points where i wasn't eating well um, and I wasn't exercising, you know, doing kind of the basic care stuff. I would wake up, run out the door to class or be working from home on my off days and just pushing through the grind and not really, um, you know, I think I believe the lie that I was checking in with myself, right? Because you're going to your own counseling, you're doing role plays with other people. You're, le you're learning this process. It should be, um, it should all be connected and it is. Um, but I honestly think that it was something that I really struggled with to manage well and I lost uh, a significant amount of weight toward the end of the semester and was really struggling with certain relationships in my life and just had real difficulty making sure that my soul was being cared for through this process and a lot of self-criticism was coming with that too I think something that I was learning about the importance of self-care and self-compassion on yourself as a potential and future counselor is 
of the highest importance. The ACA or the American Counseling Association has a code of ethics that talks about the importance of doing no harm to your client. And a part of that is uh, there's an entire section on uh, caring for yourself. And I was neglecting that. And I think this semester is a new way that the Lord has been redeeming and healing me in that in a lot of ways of resting when I need rest and eating when I need to eat, going for a walk when I need to go for a walk, basic, simple things. You guys are probably listening and thinking that sounds, you know, basic care. Everyone should be doing it. And so I totally agree with you and am committing to doing that this semester. Um, And yeah, it's just learning the importance of self-care isn't selfish. It's actually can be very selfless, especially when you're using that um, restored energy and rejuvenation that you receive from the Lord to pour into other people. Um, it's actually can be a really selfless thing. Um, but going back to what I was saying about the self-criticism, I think it's really important to pay attention to that because God's grace doesn't come through the path of self-criticism. It actually comes through self-compassion. Um, you can't really fully engage with his grace if you aren't learning to love yourself as well. And learning why to love yourself because you are a broken, sinful human being who has been made enough, who has been made worthy, who has been made valued and lovable by the blood of Christ. And another huge thing is self-doubt. I'm sure you all have heard of imposter syndrome. You're stepping into a profession that you feel like you are not qualified for in the least. I have so many issues of myself. You know, if I can't even take care of myself, how am I supposed to care for other people and all the questioning and You know, I had a really good conversation with one of my professors toward the end of the semester saying that it's totally normal to feel that way. And I think that's something that can really calm people. I think when you're struggling and you feel like you're the only one feeling this way or thinking this um, and you're some sort of outlier, it can be really detrimental to you progressing and moving forward. I think connectivity um, in suffering uh, produces healing and growth and progression um because um we're all human we're all broken and we're all in need of a savior and there's so much grace to learn and to grow um in the ups and downs of life especially in a field like this so self-doubt was definitely a huge huge part but god i will say that but god here are some ways that he has um reached into my heart and into my life and has blessed me um through the struggle i want to also kind of pair some of this negative stuff with uh, positive healing as well um he has shown me through this semester to slow down to run at a pace that marks the pace of jesus you know i was listening to a podcast um with john mark comer and jeff bethke about the the hustle and the hurry that we go through especially in our generation and I was, even with this podcast, was feeling like I was failing in a lot of ways of I'm not posting every week or I'm not posting every month anymore. Um, I'm going to lose followers or whatever, you know, the freak out is. And ultimately, I felt reminded of that we need to move at a pace of Jesus. You know, we talk a lot about the, the ministry and the, the work of him. But let's also talk about the pace. And that's what, they're, that's what John Mark Comer was talking about is... Jesus was never, um, you know, what we would call like busy today. You know, he was never, it wasn't like he was lazy or sitting doing nothing. He was obviously ministering and doing so much and carrying out the work that the father called him to do. Um, but he was also stepping away to be with the father and prioritizing time with the father. And there was still so much more work to be done. The disciples were always like, where's Jesus? You know, there's all these people that need healing or ministering to or being fed. 
and there's a storm, you know, going on in the sea. Where is he? And he was at peace and he was restful. And I think that's something the Lord's been showing me of to slow down, uh, especially, you know, in the mornings and the evenings to have that wind down time, to have that uh, morning routine where you're not just rushing out the door. Um, and I think that allows your ears to be more attuned to what the Holy Spirit is moving within you to say, what God's trying to teach you, the love that he's trying to show you. It's not always, here's your lesson for today. You are my student. I am your teacher. Because sanctification is a learning process, right? But I would also say that sometimes God's just trying to get your attention to show you who he is and how he loves you. It's not always this um, become a better scholar, you know? And that was really um, a powerful lesson that I have been leaning into. Haven't been doing perfectly, but have been leaning into. Um, and then also relationship support. I think God uses people in your life to experience his grace and his love in a lot of ways and have been so blessed and so grateful to have a wonderful church community that speaks life into me and love into me and to be in an awesome relationship with a man who puts the Lord first and is able to challenge me but also comfort and provide care and grace. Um, So just really, really grateful for that and also just surrounding yourself with people in your own cohort. I do a cohort model at Wheaton and just being open and honest with how you're feeling about the struggle and not suffering in silence. So all that to say, those were just some of the immediate blessings in my life and ways that God has shown up in the struggle that I've been going through. And thank you guys for so much for listening and allowing me to share. And hopefully this story can sort of um, encourage you guys. If you guys are going back to school or a new job or moved to a new place and you're just struggling, knowing that we're all, we're all falling apart and we're all struggling and the Lord is present and active in the everyday and he is moving and yeah one of the things I also want to share is just kind of my prayer for this season what I'm hoping um to inspire you guys about connect with you guys about um and the first is hope installation which is one of the therapeutic factors for group therapy that I'm learning um the hope installation is the belief that the therapy is going to work and that change is actually going to happen um so I hope that when listening to these episodes it is sort of therapeutic in a way to know that yeah like working and talking through the hard things can actually produce change and healing and growth and that there is light on the other side Um, but we also need to feel it to heal it. And, um, as cheesy as that sounds, I think it does hold a lot of truth to it. Another hope is that it's encouragement. I know I've been using that. I've probably used that word like 50 times in this podcast already. Um, but I really do hope that your soul walks away with just such a sense of connection and, uh, fullness, knowing that you are not alone. Um, and that is a huge prayer of mine. Another prayer is honesty, that we can walk in a way that is real and authentic and oozes the authenticity of Jesus. There's some past episodes that I've done, um, with some friends talking about the true and false self and engaging fully in who you are as a human being, which involves mostly brokenness, right? Because we're on the side of heaven where there's a lot of difficulties and that's not weakness. It's actually fully engaging. Vulnerability is fully engaging in the life that God has given you. 
and also I hope that there is some sort of healing. I know I mentioned that a few times, but um, I think dealing with the hard stuff allows you to heal the hard stuff. So those are some of my prayers uh, for this, um, I almost said semester, but it is sort of tied together, semester and season. Um, but yeah, I really am excited to talk about today's topic today with you guys about shame. So let's dive into it. Okay, so the topic for today is shame. And I kind of want to start off by breaking down what exactly is shame. And I know some of you have probably heard of Brene Brown. She's a researcher out in the University of Houston. She does a lot of research on shame, and that's what she's predominantly known for, especially in pop culture. But she defines it as intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of being loved and belonging. And that's a really heavy statement, and there's a lot to break down there. Um, but basically it's this idea of I am bad versus I do bad things. And a lot of people when they come into counseling especially are dealing with shame and they're dealing with the idea that I am somebody who is so unlovable because of who I am because what has happened to me or what I did is tied to my identity and you can see how problematic that line of thinking is you know for example there's this um idea that oh like I stole this candy bar and therefore I am a thief versus I'm a human being who stole something and see sort of that subtle difference of taking on that identity that can produce more adapt maladaptive behaviors. I am a thief, so this is who I am. I'm just going to keep stealing. I'm going to keep um, living in this brokenness versus, hey, I am a gray human being. There's a black and white in me. As I'm on this journey of sanctification, the Lord is pulling apart those difficult things in me that I can move forward in having grace for myself Um, so that's a little bit of a difference about grace and the etymology of the word is actually really interesting. It comes from the old English, English to cover. And it's this idea that, um, if you see this, you're going to walk away. If you really saw my full brokenness of what I have done or what has been done to me, you won't stick around because you are truly so disgusted by yourself that you think the way that you think about yourself other people are going to think about you so you cover it up you create which we'll talk about more in a second of these defense mechanisms and these ways of living that are subpar to what the lord is calling you to as a way to survive as a way to protect your heart from rejection that you feel like you're going to receive if you share about what has happened or what you did because it's tied to who you are So that's a little bit about the intro of shame. It's a high value on identity. And I really do think that there's a few different ways of why we have shame. So the first, um, I would say, um, we learned a lot about in our trauma class is this idea of abuse. So this is a little bit different. So instead of the, the thief analogy that I was sharing with you guys, this is about something that has happened to somebody and they take that on as their identity. So specifically with an example of like sexual assault or abuse, um, a lot of people who come into counseling to sort of work through that have a lot of shame tied to it. And there's a few different reasons for that. So the first reason would be this idea of control. So when somebody is violated or abused, they want to believe that in the past they had some sort of sense of control and they let it happen, um, which means you know they are to they believe that they are to blame for it. 
Um, but at the same time, it gives them a sense of, oh, if I was in control of what happened in the past and I let this happen, then I'll never let it happen again. So they create this narrative in their head that it was their fault or that I am disgusting or I'm a bad person. I deserve this to happen to me. Um, and then that allows them uh, to almost protect themselves from future potential future abuse of, you know, I, I'm not going to let this happen again. Um, another reason that somebody who is experiencing shame, particularly because of abuse, is because they are internalizing the abuser's story. Um, a lot of times you hear, especially if it's something that happened recurringly, especially from childhood, there is this idea of, it was my fault, I deserved this, um, I wanted closeness and affection and love, and in return, I received what I deserved, which is very much not true, but is the the line of thinking that a lot of people feel, and you'll hear the lies of the abuser, or you asked for this, or you wanted this, or we are we were in love, or whatever whatever that story is. The person who the victim or the survivor who has experienced this can internalize that story that they've been experiencing, especially if it's recurring abuse. Another element I would say to why we are experiencing shame is the spiritual warfare aspect. Um, somebody who maybe did something horrible, somebody who hurt somebody that they loved and they feel this deep sense of shame versus, you know, I did something wrong. Um, there can be healing and growth. It's just, this is who I am. I am so evil. I am so selfish. I am so hurtful. And there is this whole um, concept of healthy shame that some people believe, some people don't believe it, some people believe that it has biblical background to be able to say, I am so deprived as a human being, I need a savior. And so you almost have to acknowledge all of the evil stuff of who you are to receive redemption. Um, so that is one perspective of uh, shame. But I think predominantly what a lot of people experience is this internalized narrative of the enemy of the um, ultimate abuser of our souls and who we are trying to become and who the Lord is shaping us to be. You know, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We've heard this verse before over and over again. And the power of those words, I think, is so important that it's in the, uh, the big experiences of our lives and also in the subtle and in the everyday uh, peeling away at us and poking at us. Um, that he gets to us. And I think a huge way that he does that is allowing us to internalize our own uh, shame stories of, oh, see what you did to that friend over there or see what you did um, the other day or what you did last night. That is who you are, not who God's trying to shape you to be. And I think that's where a lot of our stuckness happens. You'll hear a lot in counseling about stuck, unstuck thoughts of being, uh, ways of thinking. And so I think it's really important for us to understand the reality and the seriousness of being in battle every day to not give the enemy that foothold and to do the therapeutic work and the spiritual work necessary to fight against that because there is freedom. And as you're listening to this, I don't know exactly where you're at or the, the shame points in your life, but you do. And God knows those even more fully and deeper than you do. And I am going to hold hope for you if you can't see light on the other side and God is going to hold hope for you and in that environment um, you'll be able to choose to do the hard work and to step into that healing. So talking a little bit about how does shame affect you? So we've talked about why is it affecting you, also 
How is it affecting you? So there's something about maladaptive thoughts and behaviors that develop from sitting in shame and embracing a life of shame um, that I want to sort of talk about. So there's this idea of uh, compassion therapy. I'm going to actually drop a link to this PDF in the description. Um, But this is sort of going to be an exercise that we can sort of do together to sort of walk through and figure out... um, your shame points and how it's actually affecting you because compassion focused therapy is it's a type of psychotherapy or talk therapy um, that allows individuals who are dealing with shame to sort of process through things Um, you can really explore the idea of this self-blame identity self-criticism reflecting on these key fears and also it allows you um to talk about those defense mechanisms which we'll get to in a little bit more detail in a second and also examining the impact on your future behavior so it kind of uh, goes a little bit into the future as well so I want us to kind of walk through this together um, and just sort of give you some insight of how your shame and your shame points might actually be affecting you today how it's affected you in the past how it's going to affect you in the future so the first part of this worksheet talks about past influences Um, So it really talks about painful thoughts, the shameful memories, or the thing that started it all, right? The trigger point that set off you on this journey to shame. So I'm going to use a personal example um, that I want to share with you guys, um, particularly in regards to rejection in a relationship, because I think that's really common for people, um, especially in your 20s and your dating, um, or even maybe in familial relationships. But this one is a dating relationship. So, uh, the question is what past experiences might be underpinning your self-critical or self-blaming behavior? So that past experience is going to be the rejection that was received in a, in a previous relationship, or in my case, being in a relationship where I was the one who was being broken up with. So then you move to the next box that talks about the primary fears attached to that event that happened. So the breakup happened, the rejection happened, that feeds into the Uh, the criticalness, the shame, the fears. So let's talk about these internal fears. So there's going to be internal fears. There's going to be external fears. So these internal fears are going to be your feelings, your thoughts, your internal processes that cause the the stress, the anxiety, you know, all these things. And so the internal fears is that I'm not beautiful or I'm not worthy of love. So those are some common thought patterns and things that I have struggled with. Uh, The reason that I'm rejected is because of those things. Then the external fears are kind of like the outside uh, sources of fear um, that are attributed to the event. Um, So some of those would be not showing or telling me that they love me. Um, Those are the external uh, sources that that trigger those fears. So being in a new, healthy, recurring relationship, if I feel like that person isn't showing or telling me um, that they love me, that is triggering those internal fears that I just shared about. Like, oh, maybe they're not showing me they love me because I'm not beautiful or because I'm not desirable or because I'm not actually worthy of their love. So then we move on to the the next column or the next box that talks about the protective defense mechanisms that we use or behaviors we use, which are usually maladaptive, um, to protect our hearts um, against that. Um, So the internal would be... um, Affirming lies through negative self-talk, maybe sleeping around, using people, uh, believing that makeup, being fit or skinny will make you worthy of love. I know those are some vulnerable points that some people can relate to of um, 
those negative thoughts um, of like, yeah, like, of course I deserve this. Like, this is why. And you sort of use the logic and reasoning in your head to support that. And then tied into that were those external behaviors that I was saying of using other people um, because you felt used and rejected and continuing that cycle of hurt that is not helpful at all. Um, And also abusing your body and not taking care of your body enough um, because you're trying to prove uh, against those deep shame points of not feeling beautiful or not feeling uh, cared for. So you see, you kind of see the progression here of how the past influence brings on these fears, which brings on these unhealthy behaviors, and it's all tied to shame, right? This this is the uh, common foundation point. So then if we can go into the next box, which talks about unintentional outcomes. So it's the consequences of those maladaptive behaviors that I just shared with you of um, the negative self-talk, the sleeping around, the using people, like you talk about the talking phase, but you're really just looking for entertainment with guys or believing that makeup or being fit um, or whatever it is is going to make you feel worthy of love. And what what are those outcomes? So the outcomes would be not caring for your you know skin and body, uh, hurting other souls in the process of your other dating relationships, and also loss of relationships, hurting people that might not stick around. And then the last box or the piece here is relationship with self. How is all of this the the unintentional outcomes influencing your relationship with yourself? Because remember that core belief is. I am bad. Not I did something bad. I am bad. I was rejected by this person in a relationship because ultimately I believe that I am bad. I'm not beautiful. I'm not lovable. Um, whatever that um, belief is. So um, in this case, it would uh, the relationship with yourself would be that self-loathing, even disgust, um, which is um, really, really important to understand. Now, I want to pause there for a second because I know listening to this worksheet and thinking about compassion therapy can also trigger the idea that, oh my gosh, this is affirming how it almost produces more shame of like how I'm acting. Like you're you're looking, even just reading those things out loud, we're triggering in me of like, oh my gosh, like I think this way. Like I am, I can't even think well of myself and you can even start spiraling a little bit more into those negative thought patterns. But I think that something that's so beautiful about therapy is the knowledge and the understanding can produce an enlightenment and that enlightenment is a path to peace and self-grace. It's not on a path to loathing and more shame and more disgust of yourself looking at the disgust that you feel towards yourself in the face whether you're writing this exercise down or thinking it in your head um can be kind of triggering that way so i wanted to pause and break down a few of those things to show that it is normal and it is very common um everybody has shame points everybody develops um these defense mechanisms and also Um, I also want to talk a little bit about CBT. So let me break some of these down here with the compassion worksheet. So one of the things I want to talk about is coping mechanisms, which comes from ego psychology, which is based on Freud, uh, who did psychoanalytic, um, psychodynamic theory, and his uh, daughter, Anna Freud. And some other psychologists developed ego psychology, which talks a lot about the brain and not going into too much detail, but they broke it down into three parts, the eyed or the eed. Uh, the ego and the superego. And so this ego psychology is kind of that rational part of your brain. Um, And what it does is it talks a lot about these defense mechanisms because your body and your mind was literally designed to to try to survive and to protect itself. 
And so it is a totally normal response to be thinking those things and to developing um, coping mechanisms that can be harmful, granted, to yourself or other people, but trying, your body is trying to survive and your mind is trying to survive. And a lot of times these defense mechanisms come up with unpleasant anxieties or conflicts that happen in life or changes in life that are happening too fast that we can't keep up with. So we create these defense mechanisms and we can do another episode on breaking down all the different types of defense mechanisms um, and maladaptive uh, behaviors that come up uh, from dealing with these things because shame does cause anxiety in people. It causes you to... Uh, the idea of hating yourself or feeling that you are bad doesn't bring anybody internal peace at all. Um, But so I just want to say that so that you guys know that it is normal. And also a little bit about CBT, which is another theoretical orientation, which stands for cognitive behavioral therapy. It's a little more formulaic. And so there was this um, psychologist, Robert Ellis, um, who actually developed um, something called uh, REBT, which we can talk about more another time. But he held this belief that um, what we call the ABC model is that your so the a is the antecedent or that initial event that happened so in my example it would be the uh the breakup it is the breakup that is causing the consequences that is my initial thought but the b is the belief so a is the antecedent b is the belief about that event and the belief about the event which would be what i shared earlier about i am unlovable i am not beautiful i'm not worthy to be in a relationship and then the c is the consequences which we talked about the the maladaptive behaviors um the poor actions on our part um and robert uh, albert ellis was actually saying that it's not the a that causes the c it's not the antecedent it's not the breakup that causes the consequences it's the belief about the consequences or the belief about the event that leads to the consequences so that's why when we're doing we're talking about this we want to sit with and focus on not so much the event itself but the beliefs that that event produced because that is what's creating these uh consequences in your life so all that to say um i really want to bring this episode home i truly do believe the christian walk is a marathon and not a sprint and therapy is a marathon and not a sprint and I think um, it's important to speak the truth. Obviously, God has made you worthy of love because of what he did. He looked at you, he made you, and he saw you, and he said, I can't, I can't believe a life without this person. I want to die on the cross for that person. I want to um, have a relationship with that person. I want to be in union with that person, and I want to show them how lovable they are and how i've made them so lovable because of my pure blood on the cross and uh, i'm coming back for them too i'm coming back for my bride um and so i just want to speak that truth and in hopes that it is beneficial on your long journey to healing i think god is the the great healer of souls and i think we need to let him show you and um yeah, just make this real for you. I think it's also important to realize um, it's not an easy journey. Walking through shame and even talking about it now can sort of make you feel worse at first. A lot of times, and a lot of you who've gone to therapy know this, you don't always walk out of sessions feeling better or feeling less shame. I think sometimes you can walk away feeling worse because you kind of dug up some of that stuff that 
you've just been living on autopilot for a while and living those maladaptive behaviors that are based in shame and i think god is trying to stretch us and grow us uh together right we're doing this together what we do uh matt chandler always talks about what we do um long period over time in community consistently is what shapes us so that's what therapy is that's what spending time with the lord is that's what the christian walk is um so giving yourself grace uh listening to this episode however you're thinking or feeling be attuned to that what's going on in your body you know therapists say that a lot it's important to think about that what's going on in your heart and your mind um as you think about this as you do that worksheet if you choose to do it as you think about your shame points um and also realizing that God is a good God and he's not going to leave you without the tools and the resources that you need to work through your shame and work through um, the lies that you're battling against. Um, and like I said before at the beginning uh, or the middle part of this episode is I want to hold hope for you. And I know that the Lord is holding hope for you if you feel like you're living in a hopeless, shameful state of life. It's not going to be like this forever and you can take steps and make choices and allow the Lord to heal and restore in beautiful and powerful ways. And I hope that this podcast is a part of that journey for you. And as I speak with people who are way more knowledgeable and way more, um, who have been walking with the Lord for a lot longer than I have and know the field of psychology and mental health a lot more than I do. Um, and you know, something that I always say at the end of this show is that even in the hard spaces, his grace abounds. And I really want that line to sit with us today because shame is one of the hardest spaces that we can be sitting in and God doesn't want us to stay stuck there. So I hope, and I pray that you can walk away from this episode feeling valued and encouraged to some extent. Um, and even if you feel a little bit worse knowing that it's okay and it's a part of the process and the Christian walk isn't always feeling good um, but the one thing we can hold on to is that God never leaves us through it and his presence is so powerful it's the most powerful thing in the world Um, but thank you guys so much for tuning in to this first episode I know it's a little bit different listening to me talk for 40 plus minutes if you've lasted this long congratulations (laughs) Um, I just want to thank you guys so much for listening and just following along on this podcast adventure that I've been going on and I just would love to connect with you guys if you want to follow me on Instagram it's at soul underscore things underscore podcast also uh, my email address is on there Um, if you're interested in reaching out you can share your story with me about your struggle and your shame points I'd love to to connect with you on that Um, I will hopefully be trying to do an episode every month um and getting some more content out there for you guys um to soak up but thank you guys so much for joining me on this journey of navigating life through your 20s um i just pray that you remember that even in the hard spaces his grace abounds i'll see you soon